admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. What they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. To a new episode of Bond Backwards. My name is Anders Holmes, and I am joined by my brother Adam over Zoom in America. Hello. Uh, today we are going to be reviewing From Russia with love. I fly to okay. you. Stop, stop crooning. Um, I travel the world to Sorry. Can I tell you a funny story about From Russia With Love? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went to see the band Blondie. Um, Debbie Harry. Play, yeah, play at uh, Mass Mocha in uh, Western Massachusetts. And uh, as their encore, they did not play uh, Atomic or Heart of Glass or Call Me or any of their other big hits. No, they came out and they played their own version of From Russia With Love. Interesting. That's, that's I had no idea why they were doing it. And so I did some Googling and um, it turned out they'd been playing the song at every single set. And then I realized why they were doing it. It's because Debbie Harry is like, and this is this is in like 2018. She is a, a massive anti-Trump, like anti-Republican um, person. And so she they were playing from Russia with love as like a satire about Trump and Putin. Uh, I see. So that was quite hard to get at the time. So I was just standing in the crowd being like, why the fuck are they playing From Russia With Love? Anyway, um, so that's my From Russia With Love theme song story. Matt Munro, of course, who did On Days Like These, for uh, uh, which was made famous by The Italian Job. Um, oh, he's, that's he's true. Oh, oh, yeah, that plays in the beginning yeah. when uh, the guy's driving around in the beginning yeah. of the movie. That's a good song. I like that song. It really opens songs up. songs and drinking wine. Um, but he's like, basically, he's the crap British Sinatra, isn't he? Yeah, he's not too bad. I mean, the front no, rush He's not crap. Songs. Sorry. No, is there any Matt Munro fans out there? Uh, he's not crap. Matt Munro. <laughs> we find Munro. this man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, from Russia with Love, it was the second James Bond film. It was Sean Connery's second film as 007. It was directed by Terence Young, who also directed Dr. No. So he just kind of got the ball rolling and sort of set the stage for the Bond films, basically. It was also John Fitzgerald Kennedy's favorite book from Ian Fleming, From Russia With Love. And yeah, I uh, like this. This it's is my favorite turner. book. Okay. Yeah. Uh, kept me up all night. <laughs> I want to see the movie before we go to Dallas, which is actually <laughs> true. That's that's actually true. He did see the film. What? 
that he the the last film he watched before hopping over to Dallas was From Rush with Love in a private screening at the White House. You are joking. Well, that's what that's that's what it says on IMDb. Well, okay. I never do it about my work. 007. Um, that's well, that's quite sad. Okay. Well, yeah, it came um, out. It came out in 1963, and yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it came out a few months before he was assassinated. But um, but yeah. Fuck. But yeah, bef- before we get into the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to the guys from the Paul and Griff show who've been a big fan of the Bond Backwards episodes and gave us a nice good feedback on the uh, Goldfinger episode and thought my uh, bit about the laser turning someone gold was funny, which I which was kind of humorous. I mean, no offense to Paul and Griff, but um, I, if I were them, I would have I would have been seriously questioning your mental health at that point. But that's fine. I think <laughs> yeah. if you, if, you know. I love those guys. They're great. Yeah, thank yeah. you for all the support. And um, um, I let also me tell to, you. Oh, uh, you want to shout out some I, more? No, I just want to keep shouting. Shout away. Okay, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to the podcast uh, "Jaws a Minute" by uh, Sarah Buttery and MJ Smith. Uh, it's a very oh, wonderful. God, what? what is this? I don't know this thing. Uh, it's a podcast. It's they started it. It's basically about Jaws. So they basically each episode they re- they review a minute or thereabouts of Jaws and discuss it. And it's actually really good. And it actually makes me want to watch the movie again just because they sounds br- amazing a they break per episode yeah they basically do it per episode and it's um yeah it's, it's a really good podcast and i recommend people to check it out and uh, give it a listen and uh, the reason i do bring it up is because jaws and from rush for love see i'm bringing it back have a small connection in the form of robert shaw and one of the main reasons uh, why you're, you're near spanish ladies <laughs> i wouldn't do that for one thousand bucks chief <laughs> You all know me. You all know oh, what I do for a living. living. That fish, swallow your hole. White wine with fish. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Old man. Yeah, but uh, one of the reasons why uh, Robert Shaw was cast in uh, From Rush uh, in Jaws was because Steven Spielberg was a big fan of From Rush with Love, and because Lee Marvin didn't want to do it. Yes, that too. Um, can I tell you my from Russia with laws? Uh, from Russia with laws. What the <laughs> fuck was that kind of a mental <laughs> mishmash? From Russia they with law. The, the COVID brain fog is a thing. Yeah, from Russia with law and order. In the I don't know. Um, back to back to my thing. Yes. In 1998, in the summer of 1998, the Danish BBC or some of the, one of the Danish channels, Danish did, radio, dance play, dance cartel, dance, dance did um, every weekend they screened a different Bond film. And they screened them all in order. They, they were going to go through the whole series because I think the plan was to have them all done by the time uh, World is World Not is Enough, enough yeah. came out or something. In any case, I missed the Doctor No one, but I watched From Russia With Love and Goldfinger. So From Russia With Love became the first Bond film from before my lifetime that I ever watched all the way through. Yeah, uh, I'd seen... Me, me too, actually. Old, I think I saw I. it with were you. We, were, we, were we together? I think we were together when we were in Denmark watching from Russia with love for the first time. Cause I think that was oh, the you first must have been like six. Yeah, I think I was. Yeah. Seven Jesus. or six, six or seven. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Um, so uh, good memory. Uh, yeah. So that was, it has a real connection. Uh, it sort of is close to my heart and, and so is Goldfinger. And of course, when we got back to the UK, it was, we, we went and rented them all, but it was something about like actually sitting down for that, like that kind of television where it was like, you marked your time, you were there at the start of the film, you went to the toilet during the ad break, you know, the whole experience of like actually watching TV not on demand. Um, it just made me feel kind of nostalgic when thinking about this film. I, I will also say it just completely captured my 
imagination about Bond and sort of spy films more generally. Yeah. Um, and I will say right here at the top of the episode that it is my favorite Bond film. And it it's is also my, it's also my favorite Bond film as well. <laughs> well you're right, copycat. But uh, well, well, no, let's no, see. No. What, are some of the, what are some of the reasons, eh? Hmm? Uh, I think it's where they, I think after Dr. No, I think they got themselves into a pretty good groove with this film. I think it introduced a lot of elements like the gadgets. We see Q for the first time. We have the whole, like, you know, the, you know, looking through the briefcase and all this other stuff. So you actually, oh, you, we have to talk about the briefcase. Yes. But, but, uh, but yeah, but, 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 but carry on. But so, and it, it was, you know, it was a, it, you know, it was a proper spy film, you know, it was, it was exciting. There was a lot of intrigue. It didn't feel like, you know, watching it, you know, in order and before, like it got silly along the way, it felt like it, you know, it felt like a real grown up spy film, you know, a bit like, um, I don't know, something like the Ipcris file, a little bit like that, but just with a little right. bit more sex appeal. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, trivia, by the way, Sue Lloyd from the Ipcris file used to live down the road from us. Anyway. Um, we did bring that up on another episode. Did we? Uh, I never yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Anyway, um, you're not, you're, you know, you're not, you're not paying for this. This is free content. <laughs> Nap off. Uh, yes. Can't be expected to remember everything. Um, yeah. I have hay fever. Excuse me for a second while I mute my microphone and make a disgusting noise. Anyway, uh, sorry. He didn't mute that. I heard that. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I was a bit, bit too snappy with the mute button there. In any case, uh, sorry, everyone. Um, Sounded like a wet fart for a second. <laughs> anyway, you, you, were about, you were about to say it's something? It's spring. It's spring. I'm miserable. Um, what was I going to say? Ah, oh, From Russia With Love. Okay, yeah, Grown Up Sci-Film. So you said it gets into the groove. I actually think Dr. No and From Russia With Love represent two sides of the Bond franchise and that you need both these films. They're both kind of pilot projects. Dr. No is full on silly, exotic, full of sex, full of campiness, uh, hidden bit, bases. Bit, bit racist as well. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, um, all that stuff. And so that sets one template. And this template is, is as you say, the sort of Cold War, Central Europe, um, you know, it has a sort of old world sensibility, uh, very much kind of focused on the Soviet-NATO conflict. Um, and it has to be said that, yeah, while these, this, this does represent them getting into some kind of stride, that they don't do... They do more Doctor No than they do from Russia with Love as the series progresses, and that I think in Goldfinger, if you look at the like recipe mixture for Goldfinger, it's for probably forty percent from Russia with Love and sixty percent Doctor No is what I'd say. Yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, I just I think also just like the location, they they they're in one place. Like Istanbul is basically like the main base of operations, and they use the city very well, and they use it pretty well in Skyfall as well in the opening chase scene. Yeah, but that's like. In fairness, that's more like Istanbul as backdrop. Like this is Istanbul as location. This yeah. is like Vienna in the Third Man. You know, they really dig into uh, into the location and they use the location to its fullest. You know, they go yeah. into you know the the big um, mosque there. Is it the Hagia Sophia they're in or the other one? I can't remember. Um, I'm not they... too familiar with. Uh... Istanbul. This isn't an architecture podcast, so yes. uh, we don't have to know the answer to that. And neither of us has been to Istanbul, so that's yeah. fine. Um, I would like to go when it's safe to yeah, travel. Yeah, well, there we go. So when, when it comes to do our where would you go in this film bit, it's either Istanbul or oh, well, Venice, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, look, uh, 
yeah, it, it is absolutely a great location and it is a great location for spy stuff. It's not the first time, you know, Istanbul crops up a lot in spy literature, like uh, Eric Ambler uses it. Um, and uh, there's a great Graham Greene novel called Istanbul Train, which has a train in it as well. So reminiscent of this. Um, and I need to read more just, Graham Greene. I need to read more. Oh, well, Graham Greene's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like so many good books uh, uh the quiet american is where i would start um yeah so so istanbul is like, it sits in this really convenient location because it is you know turkey is kind of neutral in the second world war um but it is still right in the neighborhood of all this conflict and so after the war you know you've got this thing where the balkans are um you know a lot of them are in the sort of soviet bloc and um Greece I think isn't and other you know so there's a bit of a like tension there so but they're also right in this like important shipping lane and so Istanbul has this like really strategic location and so it just it just like I don't know the history well enough to know whether it was a hotbed of spies during the um during the cold war but i can imagine it was i mean it's just yeah it's like right there and it's and it's that perfect sort of juncture between east and west and it's also it has that history and it has that sort of oldness and and you know it feels like a location for like the Tintin comics and stuff it has this sort of sense of like pre-war intrigue and you know which is probably laced with a certain amount of orientalist uh thought and and, and a little bit of problematic whatever there but you know um I just I just think it's it's such a gift of a, of a location and you know Fleming really knew what he was doing and and, and the, the filmmakers do here too yeah they use it they use the location very well and I think you know, it's one of those cities, like, especially like in that time, I imagine like everybody's just looking over their shoulders and pretty much everyone is following each other. So it was just like a city of spies almost in some, in, to some regards. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope, I hope that is true. Um, because, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, it just, it makes you want to pick up a book about the Cold War and start reading. Um, yeah. Or, or go, I mean, or go Rome, to Istanbul and read a book about the Cold War there. Yeah. Rome apparently was similar in the forties. Um, a lot of like escaped Nazis and stuff were going through it. But this is not a podcast about escaped Nazis. Uh, if you want to listen to one of those, listen to the rat line. Um, if you, um, so, so yeah, great location. Connery is just like in the role. He's yeah. Great. He's, 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 he's uh, nestled into the shoes of James Bond quite well. And I think you kind of see that this is where he was really enjoying playing the role. And I think it, you could still see, you know, he's enthusiastic for the role, like especially in like a lot of the physical scenes and his performance is really good. I even read that- He also this, just looks stunning. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's, also- he's sort of, he's a little bit, his silhouette is just so perfect. I mean, that's partly the yeah. costuming and, and the, still, know, the wig. Still, still packing a hairpiece. I will say that, yeah, him and uh, Pedro Mendez, they did wear a couple of hair pieces for this film. And, yeah. um, and Connery's I, one looks amazing. Yeah, um, I mean, Connery did, I think I read somewhere Connery's uh, favorite, pers personal favorite of the Bond films is from Rushwood Love. So, well, he had good taste then. Yeah, yeah, um, he, he does. And, he does, he does seem to be enjoying himself. Yeah. And I think what I really like about this film is that we do get a bit of a hint of it in Dr. No, we do get a hint of Spectre. And I think I like in this film where they actually give a little bit more of a sense of the operations and you're, you know, you're introduced to Blofeld, who is played by, um, I think his body is played by Anthony Dawson. Who was Dr. Th Prof Dr. Prof Dr. Prof Professor Dent. Professor Dent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, dubbed by Eric Pullman. 
Who was, was he? The guy who just dubbed everyone at this. Yeah, point? he was. He was the guy who was in. Uh, he dubbed uh, Blofeld also in uh, Thunderball. So he was. He was that guy, and what? he was also. Oh, and he was. Oh, and he was Blofeld. also. And he was also in the Third Man. He played. A, he was uncredited as a waiter in that film. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I um, the cast in this is just is just brilliant. I yeah. love uh, Lotte Lenya, of course. Um, Rosa Klebb, uh, number three. Rosa Klebb, she's wonderful. I also have a big uh, soft spot for Vladek Shabal, who plays Kronstein. Um, Who's Walter Gotel. <laughs> I love. Up, of yeah, Walter Gotel. He plays uh, Morzeni, the thug who basically trains yeah. everybody on this island in like this big mansion, and then there's like a training ground. I, I love the training. Like, well, it's like well, a whole. We'll come. We'll come back. We'll come back to that. That's the one yeah. weak link of this film that I have a little quibble with. But he, he of course, is famous later on for playing General Gogol. Um, do you want, should we talk about Pedro Mendes? Yeah, let's talk about Pedro Mendes. I think Pedro Mendes does steal this whole film from Bond in some ways as Kevin Bay. He, he is well. Karen Bay is such a great character. Pedro Almendarez is um, a wonderful actor who we, who people who watch westerns from the nineteen forties and fifties will be familiar with. He's in a couple of John Ford films. Um, he also shows up in this brilliant um, Robert Mitchum western called The Wonderful Country, uh, and he's you know really well known Mexican actor, but. Yeah, um, we have to say it's it's sad that this is this, his last this, film. This was his last film because he found out that he had inoperable cancer through th throughout the making of the movie, and um, which he got from filming The Conqueror, the Genghis Khan film with John Wayne. Oh, and is he another one of those? Um, yeah, he was another one of those. And just as a side note, people, The Conqueror with John Wayne was a film that was filmed where there had be recently been some nuclear testing, and pretty much everyone involved with that film later on got some form of cancer. Just in, to explain the reference. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, it, it was it was it's very tragic what happened with Pedro Mendes because he took his own life, and yeah. um, that after after he had shot his scenes, and um, but still he gives a fantastic performance. But it's very sad that. His career had had ended there. I love his last line. I've had a long and fascinating life. We would you'd like to hear about it? You would. I, <laughs> I love that scene. I think that's such a great moment. Yeah, yeah. It, I I do I do really um I I love him in this. It's that he has the thing of the Bond ally who a bit like Topol in from uh, for your eyes only or um uh. I'm trying to think of like good other like really good bond allies like people who he sort of has almost like a double act relationship with um some of the better felixes but like he, he develops from the felix relationship from dr no into like a real partnership you know like felix and dr no is pretty much like a guy who bond gets to do his photocopying and um you know like um karen bay is really like you know bond probably would have left um Istanbul being like, well, I don't know uh, if it hadn't been for Karen Bay, like explaining how everything works. And um, I probably and wouldn't have him made it out of life. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, exactly. Well, that too. I mean, he sort of takes him on this voyage of discovery and it's great to have Karen Bay as kind of his spirit guide as he enters this new world. Yeah. But also I love the fact that Karen Bay, his whole organization is just made up of his own sons that he's, you know, he's fathered through his like mistresses. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. I wonder how their relationship is, all those guys. Anyway. Um, yeah. I wonder, um, I, wonder, I wonder how Christmases are in that family. Yeah. At the Bay House. Well, obviously yeah. uh, they don't celebrate Christmas and because they are probably Muslims. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. My bad. 
Um, so you wouldn't have pa- pa- pardon, pardon my ignorance for for that. Yeah. For that well, we don't know. Moment. I mean, he may have embraced Western ways. He does wear a nice suit after all. But yeah. uh, judging by the aesthetics, anyway. Moving on. Yes. I um, I love Kerim. Um, obviously Lotte Lenya, uh, who's a legend. You know, an absolute. Uh, you know, pre and post-war uh, legendary performer of you know German um, the stage and and sometimes screen, um, mm. and uh, but she turns up as this like psychotic, crazed, like defecting lesbian, like massively violent psychopath. Um, if you do, them. you will be shot. <laughs> Yeah, I love the performance and um, I love when she shows up and like wax Red Grant with the knuckle dusters. Um, but yeah, let's talk about um, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw as uh, Donald Grant, uh, who doesn't speak until the hour, <laughs> until one hour into the film, which I thought was quite funny. Well, and also he's good because he's great. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great physical performer in this movie and he's very menacing. Like every time when he's like stalking Bond throughout the train or like throughout the cities and stuff like that, you really do get a sense of like, this guy's kind of creepy and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's he, what he's going to do. And, you know, is Bond up for the challenge because at the beginning of the movie, you know, he strangles like a Bond decoy and then... Yeah, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. Um, the... the um, yeah, he is. He's very, very, yeah, a very um, frightening uh, individual, and um, and he really feels difficult to overcome. And his he's smart too. He's very cunning, but he doesn't yeah, know. His, and his but he doesn't manner, know his wines. He doesn't know his wines. Well, though. no, exactly. He's smart in that sort of like psychopath way. And yeah, he does. He isn't, and that's where he's ultimately defeated because Bond is smarter than him because well, he's smarter. He's he's got true intelligence, whereas Grant's intelligence is more like. It, it's it's more animalistic almost. Well, he grew, um, I, I kind of get the feeling with Grant, he grew up in a working class family and on the streets and kind of fought his yeah, way up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Bond is, you know, dick, child dick, of privilege. Child of privilege, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the, that is the inequality of the system right there. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that Grant, in some ways, is the main villain of the piece and yet he's the first of the villains to die in that the first of the big villains to die yeah he's the one who feels the most difficult to defeat and it's sort of unusual because in the bond franchise thereafter what normally happens is the big blonde bastard sidekick is one of the last people to go yes um, you know, if you think about the, the the guy in Tomorrow Never Dies or the guy in For Your Eyes Only, well, you know, the, the, they're all called like Hans and Gunter and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so it's... Um, they all have some sort of pain threshold, which is kind of interesting. Like you can throw yeah, everything at them. There's, there's this real like sort of fascist kind of yeah. Superman stereotype going on there. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's dispatched with relatively early, like in the sort of climactic part of the film. But what a fight and what a way to go. I mean, that fight scene on the train is just still one of the most brutal things. But I like, I like what I like about that scene is there's no music in that scene. It's just the sounds of the train. It's all the like sound effects of then grunting and the hits and everything. And also, it is a very claustrophobic scene. And, and I the think lighting that, with the blue, the blue yeah. lighting is very clever. And it adds, and it adds to like the tension of it of of what's going to happen because you kind of get the sense that you know Bond's kind of met his match, and you could think that he yeah. could easily get. This could killed. go either way. Yeah. yeah, this could go either way. But you know, then there's the trusty knife and the briefcase, and then he stabs Grant. 
Well, and then he gets him with his own. Yeah, he gets him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, with on his little, with his little, on his little watch, whatever that is. And then he keeps the watch apparently for on Her Majesty's Secret Service. But anyway, which I thought was a bit weird when that when that comes up. Why would you keep that? (laughs) That's really weird. Yeah, I think I think. By the way, can I say? I don't know if you've seen this, but George Lazenby. This is completely unrelated. George Lazenby is doing branded merchandise. Is he? You can get a T-shirt from the George Lazenby shop that said "This never happened to the other fella" on it. I kind of want to get that T-shirt now. I know. <laughs> I kind of want to get, get like that mugs. shirt. He had fucking mugs and shit. Like he's yeah. just hawking all this nonsense. I, I, I feel like he should give us a cut because we gave him such a good review in in our on Her Majesty's Secret yeah, Service. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, unrelated. I could even, um, I could even write him a pitch of my idea from the last episode. Yeah, we could make it as an independent film. It could be like the Never Say Never Again for, in, for No Time to Die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we get Kevin McGlory. Is Kevin McGlory still alive? We can get him involved. Uh, no, he's dead. Oh, okay. He died um, around. He died when uh, Casino Royale came out. It was so good. The film killed him. <laughs> um, the the um, yeah. So Red Grant, amazing character. Love the red wine with fish. Um, thing it's okay by the way to sometimes have red wine with fish i will say in the same way that it's okay to have white wine with chicken or something it's just you know match your wines carefully talk to your sommelier if necessary um don't be so rigorous uh with this stuff also sometimes if you want have a beer that's also fine so you know just just use your own taste it's we're in a very free world now and just you know whatever you want um but back then you know you just didn't order red wine with fish and um and it's ridiculous um I will also say that is one of the least subtle poisonings I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that is a very sort of like, like right at him. And he's like, <laughs> it's like don't mind me, stuff. just putting a little, just putting a little knockout juice in the in the wine. Yeah. Also, he fills her glass like to the brim, <laughs> and she's like, Argh. yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. and she's already like pretty like in a very emotional state anyway because Bond slapped the shit out of her after Karen Bay died. Yeah, that seems a little uncomfortable. Um, it's a very sort whole... of like. Yeah, the, that whole yeah, scene. Ahead, that whole scene where, because like watching it as an adult, you know, she's basically in love with Bond, Tatiana, and you know, Bond is basically just using her just to get the MacGuffin of the movie, the crypto, crypto, crypto little box thing or whatever. The lector decoder. The electric decoder device, or whatever. The Cerlex agitator, or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, the MacGuffin. Um, it's just the MacGuffin. The, the MacGuffin of the movie. Um, and you know that scene when he like slaps her and then she says oh i love you james i love you and all that sort of stuff it was kind of like it just it's sort of i don't know maybe there's like i don't know it's i don't know very, very abusive uh, it is behavior. very abusive but i don't it's I, emotionally I mean, like the way they manipulate her in the film yeah not just bond but also uh obviously specter and um and you know the secret services back in london yeah it's like it's pretty um it's pretty gallingly sexist and misogynistic. Um, and she doesn't, like, besides from, like, helping out in the sort of vague way, she's not given a lot of cool... She's not like Domino in Thunderball who like, gets to kill the bad guy and yeah, like, does yeah, a lot yeah. of cool stuff. Like, she doesn't... She's kind of, I mean, for want of a better word, like, useless. She's um, a bit of a pushover as well. Like, he just kind of yeah. drags her everywhere. But she does get to shoot Cleb at the end of the movie. That's Oh, she that's does. right. She does do. Okay, does do yeah, that. fair yeah. enough. Yeah. But in a very sort of like leaves the room and then comes back and then just like does it and stuff. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, no, she does help with that. She does, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's still, the film I think could be kinder to her 
she uh, Daniela Bianchi, who is I'm assuming Italian. Um, I'm she not is. sure exactly what she went on to do, but this um, she mainly you know, did it, Italian movies. I don't think she ever did any English international somehow films. Somehow, not uh, surprised. Um, it's it's interesting though that the scene where they first bond and Tatiana first encounter each other is um, the one they use for all the screen tests for James Bond actors now. Or one of the ones they use. I think it's that scene and also the uh, Suppose I Kill You for the Thrill, that scene in um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I think those two scenes are the ones they use for audition scenes. Right, right. So I, I think, think uh, it's, it's interesting. It's also, um, uh, it is pretty spicy, that, uh, that yes. first scene. It is, uh, yeah. Also, I think she is, I think she is naked when you see her through the curtains when she goes into the bed. Do you know those like pervy IMDb trivia bits? Yeah, or something like it's that. Like, yeah. Actually, it only looks as if uh, Ursula Andress is naked in the shower scene, but if you pause it, you can see she's wearing a <laughs> she's wearing a skin coloured swimsuit, and it's like, <laughs> are you, mate? Like, <laughs> like, I was like, why are you even looking for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, there, there is there's a lot of like yeah. perverted. Yeah, but I think the. Um, uh, perverted, uh, perverted, perverted. Yeah, um, bit of I, bit of historical background for the character of Tatiana. She was actually based on Maria Christina Janina uh, uh, Skarbek, also known as Christine Granville, who was a Polish agent for uh, the British Special Operative Executive during the Second World War, and. She was just, you know, she was described as uh, the bravest of the brave and a very brave, very attractive, but a loner and a lore unto herself. And uh, one of her famous oh, exploits cool. was uh, securing the release of SOE agents Francis Kamaritz, uh, Kamaritz, uh, or I can't pronounce the name properly, sorry, and Zand Fielding from a, a German prison hours before they were meant to be executed. She did so by meeting, at great personal risk, a Gestapo commander in France. Uh, telling him uh, she was a British agent and persuade and persuading him with threats, lies, and a two million franc bribe to release the agents, and uh, that's fictionalized in a TV show called Wish Me Luck. And uh, she lived to uh, the age of forty-four, where she was sadly stabbed to death in a London hotel in Earl's Court by an obsessed and spurned suitor. Bloody hell! Yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a quote from Claire Mully, uh, who she said, she loved men and sex, adrenaline and adventure, her family and her country. She loved life and the freedom to live it to the full. Since childhood, her most defining characteristic had been an intense desire for freedom, freedom from authority to roam and ride and live, jobs, marriages, and the, poli and the polite rules of society were unacceptable constraints. Wow. Yeah. So just, I I hadn't ever I don't think I'd ever heard of her. That's amazing. Yeah, Fleming Fleming based uh, Tatiana on her. Well, um, yeah, Tatiana does feel like she embraces more of the constraints, and um, that's a shame. Uh, oh, speaking of Fleming, he has a cameo in this film. Does he know? He does. He, um, you know, I did not know uh, that. when you know when they're supposed to stop the train and get off and be picked up by. Uh, Karim's son. Yes. And the train keeps rolling. There's a guy in shot as the train pulls away, standing by the tracks uh, with his hand on his hip, and that's Ian Fleming. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's, what, that's quite so, nice, actually. Yeah, so it's just uh, he visited the set. He died shortly after. So this is also the last film he saw. Um, yeah, he did. He passed away, and yeah, the whole uh, 
Kevin McClory scandal kind of broken because he had to like pay all sorts of money, which we, I mean, we talked about this on the Thunderbolt yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sad. It's sad that Ian Fleming didn't get to live to see more of his films, but then probably shouldn't have smoked so many cigarettes. Um, yes, and, that's uh, true. He had a fair amount of uh, martinis in there as well. Uh, but then again, I'm not one to talk. Um, the, um, yeah, so um, the, the the casting's great. The locations are great. The narrative is is, is straight out of, you know, uh, 1950s spy literature. It, it bears, I think it's pretty close to the book. I, I don't know because I haven't read it. Um, but it's also, and, it's, like uh, a, it's like a Hitchcock film. It's the closest we ever get for a Bond film to be, like it has the tension of a Hitchcock film. It's almost like when, it, yeah. when, it, when, it, when it's on the train, it just turns into like The Lady Vanishes or something. Well, that's what I was going to say. It was going to be my next point. I think the, the other thing just to mention, this is one of the great train <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love train, like films on trains or and like Murder on, Murder on the Orient Express with Albert Finney is amazing, the Sydney Lumet film. Yeah. Taking, kind a of a, you, one, taking a yeah. Pelham 1, 2, 3, you know, this sort of thing, you know, Robert train Shaw. is a great location. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you always kind of expect like getting onto the train, like just him just bumping into Poirot and then just kind of going their separate ways. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this sort of a, 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 this is this is a very Poirot universe that there is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, and the porter who you have to pay off and all that stuff and the dining car and it, it's also a great piece of nostalgia. I, I, uh, the other Hitchcock film, of course, it resembles is North by Northwest. That's um, true. Which North by Northwest is like almost a pitch for a Bond film. I mean, if, if you could say that, there's a reason why uh, Hitchcock would have been a great Bond director. Um, but he chose to make the birds instead, and uh, I know which film I'd rather watch uh, out of this or the birds. Mm. Um, the um, yeah, the train is wonderful. It's a, uh, the, the I will also say there's a great follow up to the Lady Vanishes called Night Train to Munich, uh, which was I haven't not seen that no, but I would like to. Not directed by Hitchcock, but it does have Charters and Caldecott in it. They re they turn up and they're playing the same characters. Didn't Carol Reed direct that? Yes, yes, he did, yeah. and it's got Rex Harrison in it, and it's uh, it's really good fun. Nice. Um, Doctor so, Doolittle himself. Yes, indeed. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, shall we do? I mean, basically, just say this is a great film. The yeah, music, the locations, all the stuff, the acting. Should we talk about our fun stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's What's your favorite bit from the movie? Because there are so many bits. I love the bit where Kronstein gets the note under his water glass at the beginning when he's playing chess. I love the. Um, the sniper with the guy crawling out the window and getting shot. I love the periscope up in, into the Russian office to like see what's going on, um, you know, everything on the train. But I think, um, I think my favorite bit, oh gosh, it's so hard to pick because every time I think one, I think of one, I think of another one. But, um, but it's sort of, I, it, it feels like it could be the scene in the mosque, you know, that it's just like that location, the way with, with Grant stalking the, the Bulgarian agent and, um, and, you know, and, and finding, you know, and then they, they leave the plans and, you know, they have to do this coordinated thing, but there's also a sort of mystery and menace attached to it. That's just a really good bit. And I also love the bits in the Zagreb station where they do the whole switcheroo and Grant uh, shows up. So it's, it's just, it's one of those things. I, I I just can't pick one, but I guess I'll go with uh, uh, just the mosque scene because it's so uh, what this film is about in terms of the location. Yeah. And stuff. What about you? Uh, I like a lot of the sort of spy espionage stuff like you mentioned that takes place in Istanbul. I love all the scenes on the train, but I also like when the film sort of has moments of action and I think it's handled very well in a very grounded sort of way. It doesn't get too over the top and it, with explosions and everything like that. I, I think the gypsy attack scene is pretty, pretty good. I thought yeah. that, I mean, I, I think the whole 
gratuitous female fight is a little bit ridiculous. I, I also quite like the helicopter chase where it's a bit like again a bit like north by northwest with the plane and him on the mountains yeah, and everything actually, like that. that's a that's a great bit yeah yeah and um think sean connery nearly got seriously hurt during the making of that when the helicopter kind of pops up a, a bit too quickly and you could maybe maybe they got his reaction on on camera on that and stuff um and also the boat scene as well when they're going to venice i think there's a lot of good action sequences and also just the like the bit on the end when they're on the gondola and he throws away the tape and then the music's playing in the background it's very all romantic and nice and it's a good way to sort of end the film on that sort of note and right, so um, have to pick one Okay, uh, I I think the helicopter scene is probably my favorite. I think it's really well directed from an action uh, point of view, and also just in regards to editing and tension and things like that. Yeah. All right. Stupidest bit. Uh, I think it's the gypsy fight scene. The girls. The girls fighting yeah. against each other over a man, and um, yeah. a little. It's a bit like it takes you a little bit out of the movie <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, gratuitous doesn't even begin to cover it. Yeah, I agree. That is a very stupid bit. So my stupidest bit is actually the creep, the pre-credits, the pre-credit sequence. The, um, the, the This is the one area where this film lets us down, um, in my opinion, because it is this whole, it's very tense, you know, Bond's in a, it, but it's also a little abstract. So it's already a bit weird. He's in this maze. It's a bit, in, you know, it's outside of this, like potentially a stately home. He's being chased by uh, Grant. And then Grant looks like he kills Bond. And then it's just, they do the Mission Impossible thing. And they, you know, take the mask off. And it's so some dude with a mustache. And it's like, well, what was the point of that? And yeah, I guess we got to see that Grant is menacing and that he can do funny things with his watch and that Spectre have a, a real fucking problem with James Bond to the point where they're making photorealistic masks of him. Yeah. And I just, it, 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 it just, I don't understand why they couldn't have done it in a different way where like maybe Bond was on a different mission and he had a narrow escape involving Red Grant or, you know, just sort of like coming up with a different thing that Spectre do rather than like, killing james bond in the first scene but then immediately revealing that he's not dead that it's not james bond and then you're just sitting there watching the credits being like well what was the point of that so that just feels a little silly but you know that's a minor i think, I think apparently i read on imdb apparently that scene was shot for a later scene but then they edited it and put it in the beginning and that's how they did that i mean the pre-credits came out of you know from russia with love with that scene so yeah i mean it would have been interesting to see what that scene would have been like if it was placed in in another part of the film but yeah i don't know it, yeah. does, it does catch you off a little bit off guard. You just think like, oh, it's a James Bond film. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he's not. Oh, it's somebody else. <laughs> right. But I do like they keep a sense of continuity with, you know, name dropping Dr. No and that they're sort of out for revenge against well, Bond. Well, and that Eunice Gason shows up again as Sylvia Trench. She's one of the few Bond girls to cross yeah. uh, over well, two the, films. The idea was to actually have her be recurring in the films and, you know, getting annoyed that he goes off on missions and everything like that. But then they just got rid of that idea for the next film yeah it's a shame because she's great yeah um, and we'll talk about her obviously in the doctor no episode. yes true uh yeah i've already mentioned my stupid bit um what's do you, you, the briefcase is amazing i think the briefcase is so cool we haven't really touched upon it that much is my favorite gadget in the bond franchise yes it has money in it gold like pre-decimalization money like golden guineas it has an exploding tear gas capsule it has a sniper rifle but the coolest thing in the world is that you press a little part of it and out pops a little knife that yes. you can throw that you can stab with i mean it's just it is and it looks great it's compact i love it i love that briefcase yes. I, want one. I want one with all the money in it and yeah nice um 
Favorite location? Well, I, is it fair for me to go first? I'll just say, I mean, of course I want to go to Istanbul more than anything else. Yeah, but yeah. Well, you, you get to go to Venice. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to go to uh, Istanbul as well. But yeah, Venice and also just in where they are in the Belgrade, that sort of area is quite nice too. Yeah, like the Balkans. Yeah, I'd love to try it. I'd love to yeah. experience that. So good locations. Um, Very good locations. So what are we doing? The recasting? Yeah, who would you recast? That's a really tough question because the casting is really perfect. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, it's like, I don't know. Um, I think maybe you could say uh, you'd have to go for one of the like minor characters and um, and I feel like it's a shame that um, uh, Krilenko is is as boring as he is, uh, given that he's such a badass character. His the guy who plays him is kind of forgettable. So I'm going to recast Krilenko with Klaus Kinski. Ah, interesting. Like, could you just imagine that? Like Klaus Kinski, like, come on, attack <laughs> 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 the gypsies. <laughs> yeah, I am Krilenko, the wrath of God. Um, <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Um, I would, I would, I have two people I'd probably um, recast. I think if I want, if uh, just to just see what it would be like, I would maybe recast uh, Vladek uh, Shabel as Kronstein with Lawrence Harvey and maybe rewrite the role and have him play a bit more, have him a bit more, have a bit of a substantial role in the film. So you have a bit of a Manchurian candidate kind of connection. Interesting. I, I, I don't. I don't like that idea. Give me another. No, 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 not not saying, but it's just not connection, but like not. Okay, scratch that. Not have a connection, but just like you say, like have the. I just love Vladek Shabel. Yeah, yeah, I want him in the movie. Yeah, who's your your second option? And also, I would recast Robert Shaw, but with Robert Shaw from Jaws. So, (laughs) like old fat Robert Shaw. (laughs) I'll get your bond, the head, the tail, old damn thing. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Mr. Grant will take it on. Does, does James Bond have a tail? I, I don't know. Yeah. Go along with it. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, Bond, you want to see something permanent? If it lived under my head, you see this? <laughs> yeah. and, and they're just like testing out there. Like, yeah, that would have been a really funny scene on the train. I really loved just, it if he just crushed the wine glass. <laughs> and, they're, and they're just like showing injuries. And then you have little references to like other missions that Bond has been on. And then they're just getting drunk and stuff. Oh my God. Okay. Before this becomes a Jaws. Um, Loving, um, uh, yeah. So, how? What rating are you giving this? Um, one? Four and a half martinis. I'm giving it the full five. Ah. Even I'm... with the pre-credit sequence, it gets a full. It gets a clean, clean sweep from me. Yeah, I'd probably give it five as well, but I think it just loses a half because of some silliness with the yeah gr- the gratuitous gypsy fight and uh, yeah. And, the, and that, the, and the, the sexual context of this film are, are, are far from agreeable. Uh, let's just be very clear there. It is the uh, early '60s, and they were just, you know, they were playing around with a lot of risque sort of stuff. Well, and also just being twats uh, to women. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, so uh, yes, well, that that's our episode of From Rush with Love. We only have one more episode of Bond backwards left, and that's Doctor No, or as I like to refer to it as Doctor No. Because on the day we're recording this, it is May 4th and it is Star Wars Day, May the 4th oh, be with you. I was wondering where that was going. Well, yeah. um, is there any Star Wars connection to Doctor No? I don't think there is, there, no. Doctor is not. Um, no. 
Nope. I can't nope. think of one. Nope. 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 No connections. Nope. 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 Imagine Sean Connery in a Star Wars movie. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I am Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just have him play Yoda. Yes. I am wondering, why are you here? <laughs> He's too old. He's too old to begin the training. <laughs> also, we did forget, we forgot to mention Pedro Mendez Jr. Jr. He's in License Junior. to Kill. <laughs> <laughs> he's, in, he's in License to Kill. Well, there's, there's your Star Wars connection. Sean Connery is in The Last Crusade with Harrison Ford, who's in Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. So, well, six degrees of Star Wars there. But yeah, we have one more episode of Bond Backwards. Who knows what... I know. What are we going to do next? Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Bonds forwards. We'll just do them all over again. <laughs> do them all over again, yeah. We'll uh, do two yeah. episodes of Doctor No back to back and then we'll go back. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the Marvel movies. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Find another podcast. Yeah. Yes. Well, anyway, that concludes... By the way. What? Nice t-shirt, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it says Martin Scorsese on the shirt. Yeah, I can read. <laughs> oh no, because you're funny. You said that for the listeners, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, we're still we're still recording. Okay, that's yes, how this that's works. true. But uh, yeah, you can check out all the other episodes of uh, Bond Backwards on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and uh, all those other stuff. I'll add the link tree link there, and you can also check out the sort of YouTube versions of that as well. Um, we will be posting a few episodes on YouTube as well as a few other things. We did post a little film we did a while ago in in Copenhagen, which I thought just to That'd sort of good. that was that was good fun. And yes. um, my one and only acting uh, gig acting. on the screen. Yeah. Uh, do, do watch that. I am ab- absolutely terrible, uh, but it's quite well edited. Yeah, it's good fun. I I had a lot of fun running around Copenhagen making that and filming it with like a little camcorder that I had very sort of dogma 95 but uh yeah so do subscribe to the podcasts uh no to the podcast no just just the one podcast sorry no luck catching them killers then it's just the one killer actually hi doggy hot, hot first. um 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 where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Homes Movies Pod. I am at Fabricius91, F A B R I C I U S 91. You are the Northampton Dane. Uh, you can also send us an email at Homes Movies Podcast, uh, Homes Movies Podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, you can also follow us on Letterboxd and we'll add our links there. So you can yeah, see what we've been watching. Check out my list, uh, 60 from the 60s, which does include a couple of Bond movies. Yes. So. Yes, stay safe, wash your hands, get vaccinated. That's also a thing. Yeah, still, somehow. But, you know, um, maybe when you're listening to this, it'll all be over. Yes, who knows? But yeah, have a good day, everyone. Bye. Stinging in the rain. That's not funny, 007. Where's your butler friend? Oh, he blew a fuse. Shocking. Where's Drax? Oh, he had to fly. Positively shocking. You missed Mr. Bond. I think he got the point. Right idea, Mr. Bond. But wrong pussy. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. You expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It's a Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. Hey.